The Real Jesus Part 2. And so if you'd turn now to the book of Colossians, to the first chapter, we need to turn our attention to the verse that we finished with last time, verse 15. And then we'll pick up verses 16 and 17. And now we see the incredible picture of our Creator. And it's so important for us because our presuppositions frame how we think. And while the Bible is not a science book per se, it does give us keys and it does give us insights into the world that we live in that are deeply scientific. And in fact, in their presuppositional way, how they would move in our lives to give us a lens through which we look, if we actually study God's Word, we find out that God's Word provides for us a framework in which we can understand the world around us. I I hope and I pray that we can take something that uh, is somewhat complex and make it simple. But at the same time, we must recognize that our world is very complex and that there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who've dedicated their lives to the study of various sciences that are brilliant, that absolutely have given it their best shot. But when it comes down to it, our Bible paints a picture that absolutely states without equivocation that the universe is not here by random chance processes over billions of years. There is a creator that created it, and he left his signature in his creation. And we find Jesus the creator here in this second part of the real Jesus. And remember in verse 15... He is the image of the invisible God. And he is the firstborn over all creation. Notice it doesn't say over all processes. It doesn't say over over evolutionary theory. It says that there is a creation, and by default, if there is something that is created, a creation, then there must be a cause, a creator. And so please put on your thinking caps with me. Uh, Hope we can keep it to the basic junior high, high school science level. Uh, We'll delve a little bit into the college level uh, astrophysics a tad today and hopefully that, that no one will get lost. But I think it's important that we realize that we have been created and we've been created for a purpose And so this word that is used here in verse 15, and we touched on it very lightly last time, prototokos, it means, as we say firstborn, we think of firstborn as numerically the first child, but that's not the way it's used in this passage. It's used in a sense of first in rank. And so when we think of it in a Latin sense, we use the word prime. And so when you think of a prime minister, a prime minister is not necessarily the first one of that rank of people. It's the current one or the one that is the most high today. So the prime minister of England is the single highest voice in the land. 
prototokos is used here as Jesus as the firstborn, as the highest in rank. In other words, there isn't anyone that's above him. There's no one that's beyond him. There, there isn't one that's before. There won't be one that's after. He is prime in that sense. As he is the firstborn of all creation, that means he must himself have existed outside of creation. He cannot be part of the creation and be its creator. And so as we look at this passage and we dwell on it for a while, notice that the Bible further teaches, and we'll get to it in verse 17, that he is before all things. Do you see this? So if he's first in rank and he is before all things, then he himself must be the uncaused cause of everything else. For anything to exist, there must be a cause for that something. Nothing exists without some cause. If you understand basic law, the basic laws of physics, nothing is now being created. Not energy, not matter, not mass. It's all being transformed. But nothing is being created today in our world. It simply exists. It can be transformed from one form to another. And so Jesus is painted here as the firstborn over the creation. John 1.1 1, 1 declares to us that in the beginning, in other words, before there was time, we live in a universe that is comprised of three component parts. There is matter, there is space, and there is time, and that's it. There is nothing else. If you talk to a physicist, they will tell you that's what the universe is made out of. It's made out of matter. In other words, the physical things that you could see and touch. Space, in which that matter has its being. And time, the framework in which it exists. And so it's important to grasp this because your Bible, while not speaking specifically to the processes declares to you that there's one who's outside of time that was before everything that is. You see, in other words, time was not already in existence when Jesus was. God the Father was. The Holy Spirit was. They existed before there was a beginning, before what we call our space, time, and matter continuum, the thing that we live in. And so as you think on these things, remember who Jesus is. That's why Genesis 1.1 and John 1.1, interesting that they both say the same thing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen? John 1.1, when Jesus comes, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God, and the Word was with God. So he was both God himself and he was with God the Father. So it paints a picture of a creator who's outside of what we know as space and time and matter. So Jesus, notice, is one of one. He's not one of many. He's one of a kind. He's unique. There is none other like him. And so when you think of him, you must presuppositionally leave him who he is. Don't make him less than who he is. 
As you begin to wrap your head around these things, Jesus, 1 Corinthians tells us, came from heaven. He didn't come from the dust of the earth. He, he is Lord over all, according to Romans 9, Revelation 1. He's completely holy. You see, he's very unique. He's not like some other being. He's not likened unto someone who's kind of a God. He is the true and the living God. He has the authority to judge the world. Why? Because your Bible says he created it. It's his. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. And so when we think of him as firstborn, we must realize that Jesus is the visible manifestation of the fullness of of the invisible God, and that invisible God has always existed. There's never been a time when God, Jesus, who is also God, the Christ, was created, nor was the Holy Spirit created. They all existed before everything that you and I know and see ever came to being. Firstborn. Make sure that you think correctly when you think about who Jesus is. Because if you make Jesus, as Mormons do, a created being, then he cannot be the creator himself, and it flatly denies the plain teaching of the truth of this passage. So we must leave him as God before time, and also creator of the world. And let's look at him now as creator. Verse 16, for by him, and read this passage carefully, contained in it are truths that are monumental to your understanding of the world that you live in and to, in general, the, the entire universe. For by him all things were created. It makes a statement, they were created by him, all things. How many things is all? It's all things. It's not there are some things created by God and there are some things that evolution produced. Jesus Christ, because remember who this is, the first four verses say Jesus Christ who is the Lord, Jesus who is the Christ, Jesus himself, God created through Jesus Christ his son the entire universe. For by him he is the cause of all things that were created, that are in heaven, that are on earth, and then please note the next two words, both visible and invisible. And we'll focus in on these two component parts. We live in a visible world made up of invisible things. Amen? That's basic science. And whether that's at the molecular level, your body is made out of cells and systems and structures composed of amino acids and proteins made out of molecules which are made out of atoms. It's that simple. But those atoms are also made out of things. The protons, electrons, neutrons, the nucleus of every atom is also made out of component parts and they are completely invisible. So while your Bible doesn't give you those details, it lets you know the framework through which you should see the world that you live in, including your own self. Whether thrones or dominions, so now he turns his attention to spiritual things, governmental things, 
principalities or powers. It does not matter what you put into that sentence. Everything was created by him and through him. And all things were created through him, notice this, and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. This is the most depth that you will ever get about the universe that you exist in in so few words. Because really the Lord is describing for us what we are still trying to figure out through astrophysics and cosmology and biology and microbiology and every discipline of science needs to hear this. Because it gives you a sense of where to look and what to look for. You see, if, as was believed by the, the Colossian heretics, that the world was in essence an accident, much like you will learn in college today for the most part, if you attend a secular university, we got here by random chance processes, there was a seed of a universe some 13.7 billion years ago, it exploded, it rapidly expanded, and now we believe that we can even see the faint echo of that Big Bang, and it, and it reflects through uh, the creation as we know it, through the universe as they would speak. You see, it doesn't answer the fundamental question, where did the seed of that universe come from? Because nothing creates itself. That can't happen. That is an impossibility. And so your Bible says that in the beginning, before time existed, there was a God who existed outside of time. Jesus, his son, was creator, and he created, spoke into existence from nothing all that is. And he did so making it both visible and invisible. That clearly describes the universe that we are in. Through unbridled sin, mankind has messed up the creation. There's no question about it. If you turn your attention, we're going to get there. Go to Romans chapter 1 for just a moment with me. Romans 1, verse 20. To add a little bit of depth to this for you. And it says, therefore, since the creation of the world. Notice again, it says creation. It doesn't say since the Big Bang. Because that doesn't describe how the seed of the universe got here, that initial mass that exploded that turned into our universe since the creation. You see, because none of you in here believe that something that is non-existent can create itself from nothing, I think. And that if that something that doesn't exist but creates itself from nothing explodes, it's going to get ordered. I think most of you are smarter than that. The creation of the world. His invisible attributes. You see, the invisible attributes of God, your Bible says, are clearly clearly seen. Being understood, notice this, by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead. So that they, those who don't believe, are without excuse. In other words, an unbelieving person could look at the universe could look at the world, could look scientifically and inspect it to the most infinitesimate 
minutia that one could ever hope to get to, and through doing so, they would come up to the conclusion that this world and the universe and all that we see and know didn't create itself. That's what your Bible declares. You see the lens through which if you gaze, you begin to understand even as eternal power and Godhead, so they were without excuse. Because although they knew God, most of mankind believes in some form of God or Godhead. They did not glorify him as God. In other words, they said, no, you're not creator. Maybe you're this dude that sits in the heavens and you put a glass over the earth and you play with us like ants. Nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts. In other words, they sought so hard to find a reason that explains away God that they became futile in the way that they even view the world that they live in. And boy, does that not explain exactly what goes on right now in a vast majority of academia. We need to come up with some solution other than there is a God who created the universe. And yet the answers that they seek, they have not found and will not find because they can only be answered in the fact that there is a creator who created the universe. And I'll share a few things with you in our remaining time. And so they change the glory of the incorruptible God because they, in verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. In other words, they got so smart that they became idiots. They looked right past the very simple fact that nothing creates itself. And that if nothing happens, nothing happens. And if there isn't anything, then there's nothing, and adding nothing to nothing won't produce something. Am I making sense to you? You see, I should be, because it's quite simple. If nothing exists, then nothing exists. And if you do nothing to nothing, nothing will come from it. We look right past that. And we say, because of what we see, we don't believe in God, so there must not be a God, so we'll explain everything, even though we can't get past step one, which is something got created, something exists, but it came from nothing. Your Bible says who the something was that spoke into the nothing, something that wasn't there. It's that simple. And so they began to worship the creation. You see, Jesus is the creator. And because of that, all things that now currently exist, exist for him. In Greek thought, there was always a primary cause, an instrumental cause, and a final cause of everything. So no matter what it was, there had to be a plan, there had to be power, and there had to be purpose. It's very simple thinking. It's very simple reasoning. In other words, they actually understood that nothing couldn't create something from nothing if there wasn't something outside of the nothing. And the reason I'm doing this is because this is the way you must think because if you go and you listen to an astrophysicist, they will skip past the something that is nothing, that somehow got there. They jump right over that little tiny detail that nothing can't create anything if there's nothing there. 
In other words, it wouldn't just pop into existence on its own because there isn't anything. So where did the initial something come from? Your Bible says it's none other than the Creator. So many things that we don't know about our universe. But everything it says here exists for Him. In other words, He is the purpose. He's also the cause. He has the plan. And while we cannot explain everything that God does, we certainly can explain many things. One of the things that you have in view here is that he holds, notice this, all things together. Do you know one of the fundamental problems that astrophysicists, physicists in general, wrestle with, they're wrestling with it right now, is how does matter even stay together? An atom is composed of basically three component parts. There are a few others, but for sake of keeping it simple, there's a nucleus, there's electrons, and there's a proton. And those, all those parts are charged electrically. If you've ever played with magnets as a kid, you know two things about magnets. They have a positive, they have a negative side, and if you put the two that are like together, they will repel each other, amen? So you can do it at home, go and grab a couple of magnets, go, well, I won't stay together. But if you flip them over and take one positive, one negative, what happens? You can't get them apart. Amen? Now imagine that you have an odd number of charges in every atom. You've got two that are positive and one that's negative. So here's what should happen. The two that are positive ought to go boink. And the two that are different ought to go zink. And yet, somehow, an atom does not blow apart. And they exist, as far as we know, in an atomic scale, 118 of them differently in combinations of protons, neutrons, electrons. So you you see, the universe is actually set up, and it's made out of invisible parts, and we don't know what holds it together. And so mankind began to look. And as mankind looked, we've come up with some fundamental things that are smaller than those atomic parts. There are four forces, magnetism, gravity, strong nuclear force, and weak nuclear force. Those four things exist everywhere in the universe. And they're the forces that supposedly act on all of the matter that's in the universe. In addition to that, there are three, and exactly three, component parts of every atom, every electron, every neutron, every proton, every atomic nucleus are made up of exactly three parts in 24 different pieces. Those are quarks, leptons, and gauge bosons. And it is those little boson particles that you may have heard about. They've been looking for a little tiny thing called the God particle. And so that $10 billion accelerator that they built underneath the border of France and Switzerland that runs around in about a 15-mile circle where they take these particles and they get them going in opposite directions and hope that they'll smash head-on into each other and blow each other apart and then split off so that we can find out what these little particles do. Well, here's the problem. They still don't know where the first particles came from. 
So even though they've managed to find kind of like the vapor trail of one bosun, they still don't know what happened to the other 24. They still don't have any idea what holds the, those parts together. They have no idea what force. So what they've had to do is they've come up with another theory. And the reason I'm telling you these things is this is, your Bible says, outside of space and time, God created and he made everything that is visible and invisible. So as you sit here today, here's the current theory, that the universe that you live in is 96 to 97% empty space. The rest of it, because no one can see it, and no one knows what's there, is dark matter and dark energy. Why? Because they can't explain it. They don't know what holds all these particles together. They have no clue. And in fact, there have been countless articles written about it. Smithsonian produced a whole series on dark energy and dark matter. And they went so far as to say, look, it's so hopeless that we would ever find the reasonings behind why matter stays together that we have, in essence, given up trying to find out. Your Bible says, in him, all things are held together and consist. I want to leave you with a little example you can use with your friends. Now, now most of you know about Legos, right? Okay, in case you didn't know, there are about 3,900 different Lego pieces. 3,900. They come in 58 different colors. Combined, they make up 7,000 500 unique pieces because of the colors. Lego employs 120 designers. They work full-time seven days a week creating all those things that you pay a billion dollars for for Christmas presents for your kids, okay? And there's been some pretty amazing ones. I, you know, the Death Star from Star Wars. That thing had like 5,000 pieces or something. But you know what? If you have a tub of Legos in your house they will never create anything by themselves. Just saying. The Legos are staying in the tub. Not a single one of them, you're going to come back and find a Jedi, you know, knight or something. If you leave the Legos there, they're going to stay there. If nothing acts on them, even though you started with 7,500 unique pieces, nothing's going to happen. Right now, there are about 400 million people who spend about 5 billion hours a year from about 485 million Lego elements, and not one of them's ever produced a self-replicating organism that can repair itself. And yet every one of your cells does that in your body. And here's the crazy thing. God didn't need... 7,500 pieces. He needed exactly 24 pieces and four different forces to make up the entire universe and everything in it. Sounds like a creator to me. Amen? So don't let someone, because you can't explain nuclear physics, you, you don't know about quantum mechanics, 
you don't know the difference between a quark and a quasar, don't let that be the reason that you don't believe in a creator. Go to the first problem. How did anything become something from nothing unless there was a primary cause, a plan, and a purpose? Your Bible says it's Jesus, the creator. Amen? Would you stand with me? And again, if you don't know Jesus, our creator, our redeemer, the lover of our souls, we want to introduce you to him. And so believers, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Close your eyes. And if you're here today, and you're going, wow, I got lied to. I got lied to in college. I got told there was no God. Even though I gave my life as a, as a young man. I got told there was no, And I walked away from the Lord for 10 years. And I go study medicine. Because I felt that evolution could explain it all. I believed the lie. If you're here today, and maybe you've believed the lie, and you want to walk in the truth, Jesus Christ, the one who created you, also loves you and wants you to know him personally. And if you're here today and that's you, I want to just have you do something simple. You're just going to raise your hand up in the air. We want to pray for you. We want to pray with you. I see that hand. See that hand over there as well. See that hand in the back. I see the hand here in front. All over the sanctuary, there are people with their hands raised throughout the sanctuary. I want to pray with you in a moment. And, and you are going to be making the most important step in your entire life because you're going to acknowledge there's a creator who loves you and died for you and wants to set you free from the, the pain of this world, the sin, the death that will befall us. Thank you for those hands. Keep them raised for just a moment. Body of Christ, believers, would you pray? Let's pray. And those who just raised your hands, would you pray after me? Heavenly Father, I invite you, Jesus, into my life. I recognize that I'm a sinner and that I need a Savior. I believe you created me for a purpose and that that purpose is good. And I pray that you'd set me free from sin, that you'd come into my life and that you'd be Lord of my life. I give you my entire being and I thank you for saving me and writing my name in the Lamb's book of life. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. 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 Welcome to the family of God.